Welcome to the inaugural episode of the Female Political Strategy Podcast. I'm Ro. And I'm Lilith. And I'm Elle. You may recognize Lilith and I's voice from the Female Dating Strategy Podcast, which we launched in March 2021. If you're already familiar with it, thank you for your continued support of FDS and its spinoffs. If not, after you finish listening to this, you might want to familiarize yourself with the meanest female-only podcast on the internet. Check the links below. Now, you may be wondering, why do a politics-focused podcast? Well, Lilith and I had been doing the FDS podcast for months, and we realized we had a lot more things we'd like to talk about, a lot more social and political pressures on women that we'd like to examine, a lot more guests we'd like to interview that were really outside the scope of things we would normally discuss on the FDS podcast, which is pretty centrally focused on sex and dating. We were making our short list of people we'd love to talk to, and it seemed wildly inappropriate to ask someone like Chimamanda Ngozi Adichie, hey girl, how's your dating life going? While I'm sure they have absolutely stellar insight, clearly that is a waste of their particular expertise. By launching this FPS podcast, Female Political Strategy, we're creating an opportunity to really expand the scope of discussion and dissect some of the social and political drivers that have a material effect on women's lives, and to call out some of the key players, including lead scholars, scientists, politicians, and of course, the mainstream media. So with this in mind, let's answer the question in a little bit more detail, why the female political strategy? Why did everyone want to be involved in it? Should I start or? Yeah. Okay. So um, I love talking about politics and a lot of it was outside of the scope of FDS. I'm a progressive. I would consider myself a democratic socialist. And these past few years, I've just been feeling really betrayed by the men within my own party. I dated both progressive and conservative guys, and both of them seem to have an equal proportion of scrotes. (laughs) And ultimately, both the left and the right, I find men in those camps use whatever political belief to get access like sexual access to women. I just think we need to be more female focused in our politics. Unless you're actually specifically focusing on the needs of female people, it's always going to be an afterthought and we're just going to keep getting fucked over by the men in our particular group. All right, Elle, so you're up next, friend of the pod. Hey, everybody. Um, I'm, I'm Elle. And uh, if you have no idea who I am, good. No, I'm kidding. Go check out the other episode that I was on on the female dating strategy. And then please don't just stick with that. I have a lot more to say. I'm excited to be in this conversation and it's an awesome opportunity, especially as a woman um, in this day and age with, you know, the political environment right now as it is, especially being an American and a person of color and a woman, most importantly. If you didn't know, I'm conservative and it's kind of hard to have the political conversations, political discourse. It makes friendships difficult. It makes relationships difficult. So I think being able to have a clear conversation with people that are listening to you for who you are is really what draws me to this. I have a background, um, an academic background in politics. I have my degree in political science. I work in the national security environment. Naturally, I can't go into further details about it. I support the Department of Defense, Department of State, and um, policy advising. I guess that's how you could best describe my role. I am a veteran, so I've seen our national security policies, American national security policies at play in many places across the globe. And a lot of them from both my age, only from the conservative perspective and a little bit of the Obama era policies as if they played out in the world. So it's it's interesting because 
I don't really get to have the large scale macro level conversations that I would like to have with too many people. I think a lot of people are just engrossed with what they see on TV and what we're told is important. You know, the hot button issues that people come to think of, which is LGBTQ, abortion, gun rights, which are all important to me. But I'd love to have just a different nuanced conversation, which is what I'm excited to talk to you guys and everyone in the audience about. So for those of you who've listened to the Female Dating Strategy podcast, I've talked a little bit about my background. I'm a person who grew up very poor. I was raised by a single mother. I was also very mired in Christian conservative culture. I was able to pull myself up by my bootstraps, go to school, eventually got a master's degree, then worked and became a white collar professional. As I changed in both my economic background, a lot of my politics also changed. As a person who's pretty much been left my entire life, but who at first was more on the culture issues, maybe more moderate, one of the things that inspired me to push for more progressive policies, at least when it came to social policies, was the arguments of LGBTQ rights, which was very prominent. Um, I'm millennial, so that was very prominent um, when I was coming up in school. And as a person who was a supporter of gay rights, I felt that the culture that I grew up in didn't feel like it was open-minded enough or open to embracing these progressive cultural issues. But as I started to run in progressive cultural circles, I often found that there was some ignorance as well when it came to how people in the working class experience life and the things that they find important or the types of things that actually impact them. Some of the more obvious places that we talk about in FBS is often about how liberal feminism privileges a certain type of woman. And the concept of sexual empowerment is often focused on predominantly middle to upper class white women. And that for women who don't enjoy this kinds of privilege, sometimes the policies that they push can be really harmful. And so in response to that, you often see women who are in working class or below espouse more culturally conservative values. So for me, it became really, really important to bridge the gap in my understanding between how do people expect feminism to look like for women who are working class. There's often this perception that working class women, if they don't vote democratic or if they don't espouse the values that are often pushed in liberal feminism, that they're one, not feminist, or that they don't believe in equality between men and women, or that they are somehow backwards and ignorant, and that's just not always the case. I really felt that there's a certain level of ignorance and prejudice coming from people who have always lived fairly privileged lives, and that that can be educationally privileged, that can be racially privileged, etc., towards people who don't. And so I'm really inspired in this podcast because I really want to be able to parse out what does feminism look like for working class women? The women that I grew up with, most of them work gendered labor, including the women in my family. My grandmother was a maid, she worked as a nanny, and she did professions that are often 90% female. And professions that are 90% female are often paid less than professions that are traditionally blue-collar work for men, which because they're more dangerous, get paid more, which creates a dependency among working class women on men. So their feminism doesn't necessarily look like liberal feminism where it's strictly gender neutral. Or even radical feminism. Yeah, true. Or radical feminism, meaning their version of gender neutrality seems to rely really heavily on white-collar work. So what inspires me to do this podcast is to really, really talk about the perception differences that are going on between the working class women that I grew up with that often cause them to vote conservative and also talk to women who I guess would now be more or less my peers because of my educational background and talk to them and bridge the gap in understanding between these two courts of women and start to kind of laser out and maybe carve out with a scalpel more female friendly policies that make 
sense between these two cohorts of women because I think often, like Lilith said previously, men are setting the narrative at the top. We are often pressured as women into false choices and false binaries based on men forcing us to make trade-offs on whether we want certain types of equality or if we want economic stability. And we just don't have to do that. Much like much like female dating strategy does a lot of myth bustings about these false binaries we've been trapped into when it comes to our sex and dating lives with men. We believe there's room to examine that from the political space. So that's my hope with this podcast to really hone in on those ideas, really go through and just create a cohesive female first narrative looking at it from multiple angles. Basically, we wanted to take the idea of FDS of maximizing female benefit in the dating world, and we wanted to apply that to the political realm. If we want to materially improve the lives of all women, we need to get political in order to do that. 100%. Hope you enjoyed this teaser for Female Political Strategy. The first episode of Female Political Strategy will be dropping on Monday, December 6th. So like, share, and subscribe to Female Political Strategy wherever you get your podcasts, Apple, Spotify, Pandora, YouTube. Also, follow us on Twitter at Female Political and our new Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Female Political Strategy. Thanks for listening, Team Female. We're really excited to share this podcast with you.